you the quantum mechanics? Yes, we are the quantum mechanics. We're the paranormal podcast for the believers, the doubters, and everyone in between. And I feel a bit... I don't know what I feel. I feel a bit embarrassed about saying this again, Ben. But I've had another kind of jot weird thing. Okay, what was it? Well, it was on my drive to take my son to school. It wasn't at the usual point that I've had various bits of weirdness, which other, which people who listen to the podcast regularly will know about. This was in a different position. Um, so let me just explain what's been happening this week. There is, I dropped my son off school and then on the drive back, I go past, you'll probably know it, I go past two garages that do repairs one's a volvo garage and one's an alfa romeo garage yeah oh yes yes i know them well yes yes every morning this week uh and i've taken my son's school every day this week so five we're, we're recording on a friday so that's five days when i get to the volvo garage there's been a guy who's been walking and he has to walk a little bit into the road so I notice him because I'm thinking, oh, is there something coming the other way? So I need maybe I need to slow down. And then walks in to the Volvo garage. And for the first four days, I saw him at exactly that point in the road on my way back. So I, I kind of went, it's a bit of a coincidence. It's a small thing. It's a jot. Um... And arguably, you could say, well, I'm roughly taking my son's school at the same time and driving back on the, at the same time. So it's probably just a coincidence. He might be arriving for work. You know what I mean? People yeah. have routines. So I've sli- I slightly discounted it and wasn't going to mention it at all. Just thought, oh, it's quite weird that it's always at that same point. And then I saw him again this morning at the same point. And I thought, it is weird. And then as I drove past, I looked into the garage... And I couldn't see him. Oh. And it reminds me, you had an incident like that on the roads. Now, I again, I was, you know, you know that bit of road. I'm probably doing about 40, 50 miles an hour. So yes. he may have ducked behind a car and I just didn't, you know, I can't, I didn't stare. I glanced. But it just gave me a real spooky feeling because... I was like, I'm going to see where he's going, see if he works there. And as I glanced over, he just disappeared. And is he always wearing the same clothes? <sighs> yeah, I w- you know what? I was. It shows your memory, doesn't it? Now I've seen him today, I think he's always wearing the same clothes. He's always casually dressed. He's not like in a suit or anything like that. But he's n- And he's not in overalls. I mean, today I would say he was wearing jeans and a just a normal, you know, a casual jacket rather than a smart jacket. In my mind, I think that's what he's been wearing every time I've seen him, but I, I, I can't be 100% sure on my recollection of that. Mm-hmm. Am I planting that memory of what he's wearing because you've asked me the question in some mm-hmm. ways? But it, it, the coincidence of coming across him at the same point and him stepping into the road at the same point to get into that garage five days in a row is possible because of people's timelines. You know, he's on a timeline, I'm on a timeline. It's 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 a little jotty, but the fact that when I looked today and he just seemed to disappear slightly wigged me out. 
That is weird. Well, that was... It is quite similar to the one that I had. So my, mine only happened once, and it's not on the same road, but it isn't It isn't a million miles away. It's, um, it's probably 10 miles away from where you were, but it's on the way to where I get my dog groomed and it's a bit of a country road and that was when I had stopped to let uh, a truck go past it's only a single lane and then yeah. there was there was that old man who was knocking on my the window black, the black eyed grandpa we called him that's we? right yeah yeah and then he disappeared because um, I you know as I said at the time I was panicking that I thought I had like not seen him and driven too close to him and upset him and that's why he was knocking on the window. And then I th- my first instinct was to move back into the road away from him in case like, I'd done something stupid like drive over his foot or something, although I don't know how I would have done that. And then when I looked there, there was nothing. So, yeah, very similar. Well, if I do see him again, I might just pull over <laughs> and ask him if he's a ghost, if he's still there. <laughs> just because... <laughs> You know, I, I almost want to see him go. I oh know he's just a guy who works in the garage who just has a similar kind of, you know, schedule to me. And it's just coincidence. But it was slightly weird that he seemed to. And like I said, I was traveling fast and I wasn't staring. I was glancing. He just seemed to disappear. But weird. Anyway, nothing more to say than that. But that's my my jot type weird experience of the week. Nice. I like it. Well, this week, um, we're going to be covering um, an interview. I think an interview is a strong word. But um, my friend Lucy Cavendish, I went to see her in her new house. And her new house is spectacular. Um, she is somebody who, uh, she's, a, she's a journalist, she's a writer, She's uh, a counsellor. She does she does a lot of things. And she's got this wonderful house that she's just moved into, which is it's almost I I joked with her, it's like the to the manor born. It's it's enormous and it's full of um strange corridors, staircases, weird rooms. It's really amazing. And she said, Oh, bring your recording equipment because I've got a ghost story or two to tell you. And so obviously I was excited and I I did. I took um, the closest that we've got to an OB kit with me and I spoke to her about her experiences that she had both as a child and most recently in the house that she has. And they are, I think you will find them fascinating, but to introduce them and to not give them away one of the themes from her stories is uh ghost nuns and wells and the, the these are things which recur i think and and one of the things that because i was like oh um where have i seen a well before then it suddenly struck me oh yeah the ring that that is obviously set around a, a well and then I looked it up and I didn't realize that there was a true story about um, the ring and it comes from something called Okiku's well I hope I've said that right and it's in 
the uh, it comes from uh, some of the countryside around Himeji in Hyogo Prefecture in Himeji Castle in Japan. Please don't ask me to <laughs> say that again. Um, but it's in this, the countryside. <laughs> it's, it's in the countryside in Japan. And this well is said to be haunted, and the tale behind it is, as you would imagine, as with many of these things, there's a servant girl who catches the eye of a married samurai who um, used her job... Attending uh, a set of very important plates against her to force her to be his mistress. Um, it's it's a very peculiar, uh, it's a very peculiar and weird story. Very Japanese. I don't know why plates come into it, but they do. She refuses, uh, so he kills her and throws her body into the well. And then, of course, the well gets haunted. This turns into. Um, it's not only a film, apparently there's a stage production, a video game, and uh, also the horror film Ringu, which got its uh, American remake as The Ring. I didn't know it came from, I mean, obviously, no, The Ring. I've seen both the Japanese version and uh, the American version. I like both of them, actually. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't realise it, it, it was actually, in some parts, inspired by, by a true well-based story that's no no apparently apparently it is um and then in terms of other wells that we've covered it only just occurred to me after i'd spoken to lucy that when we talked about 30 east drive the story there is the black monk Mm. who was apparently hung and thrown down the well for um getting um a girl pregnant so we've kind of got that there, and then of course the the house is supposedly built over that well. Mm. And then I was looking because it seems like ghost nun stories are pretty ubiquitous. In fact, there's a horror film called The Nun, and which, that, which, which is a better the image of the the nun in that is probably more scary than and interesting than the film itself. But there is something spooky just in. That image particularly, but the idea of a kind of ghostly nun. I don't, yeah, maybe it's the religious overtones, but there is something really weird about it. There is something really weird about it. And, like, yeah, it's there is something weird, like a ghost... It, a figure that is recognisable is like a nun or a monk or something is, I think, intrinsically more scary, and I don't really know why. Mm. But... Um, when I was looking <laughs> looking around for nun stories, I don't know why, but this one really caught my eye and made me laugh. This is from the Who Do You Think You Are website. You know the TV show which looks at people's yeah. history? Yeah. And the yeah. headline is, My Great Aunt is the Ghost Nun Who ha- Who Haunts Croydon. <laughs> and I wasn't expecting that. No, that's quite From the Who title. Do You Think You Are uh website and it talks about this woman um called helen brooks who during the first lockdown in 2020 had a chance to research her life and her great aunt who was a nun who died in the aftermath of a plane crash and apparently there was uh, a, a place called croydon airport which closed in 1959 wow. i'd never heard of it I'm just trying to picture, I mean, for, for listeners outside of the UK who may not 
know where Croydon is. It's quite. It's not where you would expect a an airport. It isn't. No, and but before it closed, there was uh, there was an air accident stroke tragedy that happened there. Uh, Twelve people died, and uh, Helen's aunt or great aunt was one of the people who died in that particular accident and then so the the, what what is now called the roundshore housing estate is built on that site and there have been various sightings of a ghostly nun and that nun's clothing apparently matches her great aunts now of course the elephant in the room is would not any nun match another nun's yeah, clothing yeah yeah because the yeah, thing about yeah. nuns is they yeah, wear the same thing. they wear the same thing but you know i'll take I'm, it I, and also ben i'm slightly giggling at myself that the bit about your story that still amazes me is not the unique haunted nun that's going around a croydon estate it's the fact that there was an airport in Croydon. Is that that seems to be more astonishing to me than a than an ethereal nun-like being on a council estate in uh, in Croydon? But there you go. Maybe that says something about me. <laughs> no, no, I like I am completely with you, <laughs> but I don't know. I I just I th- I I do think it's a bit of a long shot to uh, to go. Oh, that nun definitely know who she is. But what I want the this is by way of introduction to Lucy's stories. So she's got a brilliant tale about what's happened to her since she's been moved since she's moved into this house, and then a really terrifying tale that happened not so far away from where she's currently living that happened to her when she was a child and it it sent the hairs at the back of my neck up it's one of the best ghost stories i've ever heard so maybe we just go to the interview and hear what lucy has to say excellent yeah uh yeah have a listen i i've i've had a little sneak preview so i I know what's coming up and uh i don't think you're going to be disappointed so uh have a listen so I'm out here in the middle of kind of nowhere. In fact, my sat-nav didn't know where it was going, but I found it in the end. It's not massively far from my house, but goodness me, it's an extraordinary place. I came here to see my friend Lucy, and I wasn't expecting to do a quantum mechanics episode here, which is why Peter isn't with me. But she said, bring your mic. There's, there's a few things I want to tell you. And when I got here, I saw this house, which would not be out of place in you know, just down the road from Downton. And the first thing I thought was, it must be stories about this house, and perhaps there are some. But I'm surrounded, as we speak, by a couple of what look like gothic chairs and and uh, bookcases that are full of perhaps supernatural stories. And let me introduce you to Lucy. Hi. <laughs> so is this is this house full of spirits? I don't know yet, because I've only lived here for four weeks. Um, I, and also people seem to not be able to tell me the history of it, but I, I really want to find out more because it is a priory. It was obviously built and there was a priory here and there's parts of the house that are 14th century. So 
bits of it are very old. I have no idea what happened to the original priory. I imagine it probably burnt down or something. And and I'm right next to a church. And, at, at, you know, literally, if you could see it, which you can't now because it's dark, we're right next to a church. And in that churchyard are buried many people I know. Well, that is extraordinary. Also, for the benefit of listeners, many people you know live in this house. And so because I'm on location here i've set up a field recording hit uh, kit you are going to hear some bangs and some knocks they're not spirits they're lucy's children and other uh, assorted members of the household it's their house we can't ask them to be quiet on this occasion the story is so good just bear with us and listen to what lucy has to say because in a minute i'm going to ask her about the story that she told me when i first arrived about this house lucy you heard something this morning right Yes, I heard the voice of a child at about 4am saying, Mummy, Mummy. But I haven't felt anything um, threatening here. Although, if I'm here on my own at night, I don't like going into one end of the house, near what I call ghost land. Mm. I actually really feel uncomfortable going to that end of the house. So much so that... If I know everyone's going to be out, I make sure that everything I need that's in that side of the house comes on to the other side of the house. Um, but that may just be me. But this morning I woke up at about three o'clock or four o'clock and I absolutely heard a child. And I'm talking about a young child. My children range from 14 up. And this was a child about five or six just saying, Mummy, not in distress, just Mummy, Mummy. And then... I thought weird, and then I and then I thought, oh, maybe I'm dreaming it. And then I was like, "Mummy, come play, mummy!" And then my dog started barking her head off. And then I thought, then I did something that I always shout at the telly about, like, like why have you got up to explore? You know what I mean? And you think, mm. why did that stupid teenager get up to go and explore where the serial killer is? You know. <laughs> so I, then yeah. I did precisely the same thing. I thought, oh well, I'll get up and um, walk around the house. With the dog, and obviously Nam was awake, and there was no one there. And then I really thought I must have, you know, I thought maybe I've just, I haven't heard it. Then I went back to bed. But then I did hear, I'd say it was a, probably a little boy, maybe a little girl, I don't know, saying, Mummy, Mummy, Mummy. And then I went out there again. I don't know, and I just said, It's fine, you're okay. I hope you're okay. And then I didn't hear it again. So wait and see if it comes back. But you told me that you, you have a story from when you were growing up. Yes. So I grew up in Bourne End, Buckinghamshire, not far from where I am now. And there's the Abbotsbrook Estate, and people may or may not know the Abbotsbrook Estate. Um, it's in Bourne End on the outskirts going towards Marlow. And when I was young... There was all sorts of rumours about the Abbotsbrook estate. There was an old, um, very old, deserted, you know, what would it be, a monastery, a place where abbots lived. Uh, and it was a bit dark and gloomy and everyone would have said it was haunted and no one lived there. And in the grounds of the of the garden, the land, quite a lot of land, there was a well and, you know, we all know what happens when there's wells, mm. places. And there were all sorts of rumours that people had been pushed in the well and that there were 
ghosts and dead spirits and and a um a white nun i mean a white clad nun that walked around wailing in the night oh um and things in the well and clanking chains and all your typical ghost tropes all your typical ghost tropes so at that point my best friend was a girl called samantha and we went to primary school and junior school together and all sorts of stuff was going on anyway she lived with her three older brothers and her parents on the abbotsbrook estate and I loved going to their house because we weren't allowed sweets and cakes and things like that, which was really boring of my mother, but there you go. But Samantha's parents had great pig. It's like a sweetie shop. They had great big jars of sherbet lemons and mint humbugs. And I think it was like, there must have been the early days of something like Costco because they'd come back with cardboard boxes full of monster munch and things. So I loved going there. And... So I was asked for a sleepover and she and I hatched a plan that we would go to the bed, um, but we would sneakily just put our nighties over our outdoor clothes. And then we would have a midnight feast, which we were allowed to have. And then when everyone was asleep, we would creep out of the house and go to the haunted house. Mm. How old were you, did you say? About 10. Okay. I'm not quite sure why we thought that was a good idea but we did and so we had our midnight feast heard him and go to bed got up took our nighties off crept downstairs went out of the house and it was of course a brightly moonlit nicht thank goodness <laughs> but we had torches a wolf moon what we i was so nervous and scared but it was like we couldn't back out and what and no one said to the other one this is a really silly idea and um oh my god it was really really frightening we went to the house and the house loomed much bigger you know the dark and then the moonlight and it suddenly looked like really not a very nice house at all and Samantha was saying, let's go in through the front door. I mean, I actually feel quite physically sick when I'm talking about it. And we went through, you know, it was like Scooby-Doo, we went through the door, creak. And it was very frightening. And there was the embers of a fire, but that felt more like teenagers had been in there or something and made a fire. And then, I kid you not, we heard this low moaning really low moaning and it went really really cold really cold and and where was it coming from outside in the garden so we both started getting really scared but we had to leave the house anyway we went out to the garden and right in front of us next to the well was the nun the, the ghost nun. What? No way. No, seriously. Seriously, right in front of us. And the moaning was coming out of the well. Really low, really pained. Rattling, sort of rattling noise, scratching and rattling. And she was sort of drifting <sighs> around the well. And I, 
oh my God, coming in our direction. Honestly, I've never, ever felt so scared in my life. Wait, so you're seeing her in the light of the moon or is she self-luminescent? No, she's luminescent. She was luminescent. She was glowing. And, and could you see that? horrible noise. Oh, it was horrible. It made me feel really ill, actually. So I've always, I've never, ever spoken to someone who's seen a ghost firsthand, which is luminescent like that. Could you see the reflection of the light on like droplets of water on the, the ground or anything like that? No. No. She, she was, she was, yes, luminescent, but I couldn't see that on the ground. And, and what was her face like? I couldn't see her face. She had a veil on, like a, a nun veil. A wimple. A wimple. And... Oh, but ah, she had really gnarly hands. She could see very gnarly, gnarly hands. Did they look human? Or they did, but but with long fingers, they did look human. Oh, so you got close enough. To she see was their really hands. close. Oh, it was so and, frightening. And you, you're talking about her floating around, so she's not touching the ground. Her, her her robes touched the ground. Not, you know, what are they called? Uh, Nun robes. Yeah. She yeah. wasn't floating. Her robes, the bottom of the hem was on the ground, was on the earth. I see. So there wasn't any evidence of feet? No. There and, wasn't any feet. But she, you know, she had nuns wear very long things. They do. but And that gliding motion, it's like she was... You know, on casters rather than it walking like foot that. in front of the no, other. It was right. like that. It's like she was on cast exactly. And and how big would you say she was? She was about five foot two. Quite small. And and how long did you look at her? Not long, because the moaning uh, uh, was coming out of the well and this horrible scratching and clanking. And and she was going towards the well, and the well was just in front of us. And we screamed and ran, and then we were running and running, and then this black figure came out from behind a bush, and we completely screamed. Anyway, it turned out to be Samantha's brother. He thought it was like a devil. I'm not surprised. He had followed us. Because he was worried, he'd seen us go, and he was like, "They shouldn't be doing this." And how old is he? He was we, he was about three years older than us, and he had also seen her, and he was almost petrified. He came out of the bush, and we were like, "Ah!" Because we thought we yeah. couldn't see that it was him. Yeah. And then he was literally petrified, and he was like grabbing us, going, "We've all got to go, we've all got to go, we've all got to go." And we ran back to her house and locked all the doors, and it was really frightening. Really frightening. And and did you tell the adults? Well, we knew again to a lot of trouble. So we didn't. We didn't tell mm. them. But he then went and researched it and went and talked to a lot of people about it and found someone in the library who said like that they used to take people and put them down the well. And we think actually she was looking for someone that she loved or that it was she was interested in the, what was going on in the well that whoever was moaning and groaning in the well was someone that she had lost or something. That's yeah. what we thought in the end. It's interesting, the connection between religious figures. This I don't want to take the story in any other direction because I want to find out what, what happened later on, but we've, we did an episode on um, 
30 East Drive, which you probably know about. It's like one of the most haunted houses in England. And the, the, the alleged story is that a monk was put down a well for sleeping with a nun. Oh. And the house is built on that well. So it's interesting that connection between like nuns, monks and wells that I have come across a few other instances of that. But I suspect it's also probably because um, wells belong to monasteries as well and they have their own water supply. That's so. right. There'd be a well somewhere here. And in our old house, there was a well. We, had a, we, we, we extended the kitchen. There was a huge well. But every house there had a well because we were in a valley... And that's how people got their water. Everyone had a well. Yeah. So, I mean, it's only if you were 10, it would only be six years later and you could do what you want. Did you ever go back? No, way too scared. Way too scared. Couldn't ever go back. But then, weirdly enough, about five years ago, I was at the hairdressers and sitting next to me was a woman saying, that they'd just moved into this place in Abbotsbrook that had been empty for a really long time and they'd bought it for really cheaply. And it was this beautiful house, these amazing gardens with a well, but they were absolutely terrified because they hadn't heard the stories. And she was saying every night they heard this moaning and groaning and rattling. And one of them had looked out the window and seen the nun, <gasps> the shiny nun. And she said that no one would believe them and they were trying to sell the house. And so I then said to her, actually, I believe you because I saw that nun when I was 10 and we had um, a really long talk about it. Oh, my goodness. What a coincidence. But no, they, I, mean, I said, why? Well, I said to her, why didn't, you, why didn't you ask people? I mean, if someone's been derelict for ages, would it not occur to you to ask people why? Why is it derelict to know what's lived there? But she hadn't. But the, it's still there. The nun is still there. That's what she told me. And they were terrified, really frightened. And what they describe is exactly what you saw. Yeah. And the moaning in the well and the chains and the scratching and then the nun. Um, I then said maybe they could learn to live with it. But there was something very malevolent about it. It wasn't nice. And I don't know if the nun was malevolent, but the whole thing felt really nasty. And you said if felt like it was moving towards you. Yeah, I think she was moving towards the well. I mean, I've look, I hadn't seen a ghost before, mm. or certainly not like that. And it was frightening, it was terrifying. Do you, do you think she knew you were there? I haven't, I don't know. I don't know, actually. I don't know. I, at the time I thought she did, but now I wonder if she didn't. You know, I don't know. I mean, maybe if she was, if her purpose was to try and free this poor person down the well, maybe that's what she did every night. Because when when I've spoken to people in the past, um, you get these recurring apparitions, which come at the same time, you know, almost with clockwork regularity. There's someone that I know who has one in their house and they can almost set their watch by oh, it. Oh, right, yeah. Um, and we've always speculated that that sort of lends a bit of credence to the stone tape theory. There's a certain set of circumstances which trigger the tape being replayed again Endlessly. and again. Yes, well, that that must be, the, the, I imagine that's the case, that she does that every night, at the, or, or whatever, but at the same time. 
Mm. Yeah, I think so. So it doesn't really matter who's there. Right, she's not doing it for an audience. No, I think she's. it's a, almost like a ritualistic thing. It's this terrible thing of never being able to save that poor person down the well. Yeah, yeah. And that's probably and So maybe she'll be there forever because she's in limbo. Well, if it's stone tape, then maybe she's not really there at all. Maybe it's just a recreation of something that happened, you know, like, mm. like Terry Wogan isn't really on a VHS cassette. But, you, you know, but it depends, like, if, um, if her movements are different every night, then who knows. But, but what also strikes me about that is as you, the witness, earlier on I said... Do you believe in ghosts? And and perhaps that is the wrong question because mm. I think you put it correctly and it's what I would have said as well, which is it depends what you mean by ghost. And so I suppose what you're saying is there is there's something unexplainable, but we're not saying, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you're not suggesting that this is the spirit of a dead nun come back to do something. It could be something else. Yeah. Yes, it could be. You know, I, I'm not sure because I, I know quite, I don't know quite a lot, but you know, poltergeist and things. When I was growing up, uh, my, we had a poltergeist or, you know, poltergeisty behavior happened around me and my sister, mainly my sister. Like, we would get up in the morning and all her lipstick would be, you know, all over the mirror and um, her plants would be upended and thrown around her bedroom. Um, All sorts of stuff. And it made us so much noise. It was so noisy. Like, I don't know what it was doing at night. It would chuck things around. It would, it would go up and down the stairs. It would go and shake her in her bed. Um, all sorts of stuff. It was, it was did all sorts of, all her nail varnish up all over the carpet, trampled all her face powder into the floor, ripped up her clothes. Not it was all around my sister. I mean, but and it was a re- it was really you know noisy and not nice. You know, it wasn't funny. It did horrible no. things. But my mother was absolutely convinced that it was my sister doing it all, and the poltergeist wasn't real, and that poltergeists often come to adolescent girls. I think, and she said yeah, that's, that's because right. adolescent girls are basically completely messed up and hormonal, and they're they're you know it's a kind of cry for psychic attention well yes or it could be the other way around that the entity feeds off those emotions and it nourishes them this is this is the same claim again made around famous cases like the Enfield the poltergeist thing, right. janet yeah, yeah. Mm. and and you end up feeling really sorry for people who keep being accused of you know, because it almost, even if it is a supernatural thing, it's almost like made to be their fault, which seems very unfair. No, absolutely. And also my sister absolutely swore and will swear now that she did not do any of that stuff. Mm. And I believe her. I don't yeah. believe it because I heard it. Yeah. I mean, it was really noisy and uh, and she'd be in bed. So how could it possibly have been her? But you're right. I think she felt somehow this was her fault, either that she was doing it and was having and was having some sort of memory loss, was sort of doing it like a sleepwalker, or that it was a poltergeist 
but it was her fault for being a disturbed teenager and that's why the poltergeist had come in the first place. And did it ever make any attempt to communicate? Not with me. Did it with her? Um, I don't know. I don't know, I'll have to ask her. But she also had a cat, a ghost cat that laid on her bed. And that was, I mean, I know that was real because you could see the indentation. Hmm. You could see where the cat had slept. Um, but I think she probably was quite disturbed, quite disturbed, actually. Yes, I'm not surprised. And and do you know, was it was it a family cat? Or yeah, no, she loved the cat. I mean, we would put our cats out at night, uh, and and they and I, you know, I remember definitely they were out at night because they were always out at night. And then she would say she would wake up in the morning and she would have been had the cat on her bed and been stroking the cat and everything and. My mum would say, but I've only just left the cats in. And there would be the indentation of a cat's body where it had slept with her. No, she liked this cat. It was around for years, actually. Yeah, my brother had a friend, an invisible friend, who, I, you know, who he thought was real, called Muggedy. We had to cook for him and we had to lay places out from the table. And if you sat at his place, my brother would say, you're sitting on Muggedy, you must move. And we'd feed him and take picnics for him and stuff. You know, what was that? I know a lot of kids have invisible friends. Yeah, 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 yeah. I had one too, but it was a yak. And I'm not even joking. It was an invisible yak. Yeah. So there was all that. And I think, and so the other thing I think, is I think children are much more attuned to this stuff because it hasn't been sort of ridiculed out of them yet. So I think children have a much more natural um, affinity with the spiritual world because they don't think it's weird or odd, or necessarily scary. You know, children often talk about um, other people, other, other, you know, spirits or animals or things that they've seen, and they generally get told that they're making it up. But, I, you know, I think they have a much, they're much more open to it than we are. Mm. Well, also, it's only generally in children that you get that past life phenomena poking through, and then by the time they're four or five... That's yes. gone. Yeah, that's gone. Yeah, so I mean I don't know there's all sorts of things I think. So I um I had a very strong feeling for a very long time that I was supposed to have a baby girl and I had three boys. And each time I think, "Oh, cuz I had this very strong feeling and then after I had my last boy, I was like, "Okay, that's it. I've got three kids. That's enough." And one day, very clearly, I felt very strongly that there was this being saying, I have to come, I have to come out. I, you know, you've, you've got to go and get pregnant again. So I said to my then partner, I'm really sorry about this, but, you know, we're going to have to have another baby because there's this person that has to come and, I, and she needs me to give birth to her. So I've got to go for it. And he said, um, no, we can't have any more children. And I was like, well, sorry, mate, that's what's going to have to happen. Anyway, I got pregnant. And the doctors were saying it's highly unlikely it'll be a girl. And I was like, no, this is this is definitely a girl. And they're like, yeah, but you said that about all your other children. And I was like, yeah, I know I did, but I know that this girl has to come. This is the last baby. I'm not having another one after this because it was getting ridiculous. And then, of course, they did the scan and said, um, my God, it's a girl. And she says to me, she, she, I wrote embarrass her, but quite often, she says to me, why did it take you so long? <laughs> I was waiting for so long, mummy. And she was little. 
And then after her, I got pregnant again and I lost the baby. And I didn't really tell anyone about it. When she was about three, and I always thought that baby was a girl. I don't know. It was very early on. You know, at 12 weeks, so who knows, really. Um, but I always thought it was a girl. And when she was about three, she said to me, where's my sister? And um, everyone says, well, you don't have a sister. And uh, her dad was going, you don't have a sister. She kept saying, I have a sister. Where's my sister? Because she talks to me all the time, but I can't... I, she's not here. She's not here. But I talked to her. And I said, well, what do you say to her? And she says, oh, she tells me she, she cries and she's sad, but she's okay. But, you know, and I tell her what's happening here and with you, mummy and daddy, and, you know. And, and her dad kept saying to me, I don't want you to tell her that you had this miscarriage. And I was like, but she knows anyway, because she's talking to this, she's already talking to her sister. And now she thinks she's crazy because she thinks she didn't have a sister, but she does have a sister. So I sat her down and said, yes, you've got a sister. But she didn't come into the world right now. But it's really lovely you're talking to her. Please tell her that I love her. And I'm so sorry that now wasn't her time. And maybe she'll be a bit happier. So, you know, kids kind of do know this. Oh, anyway, people think I'm nutty. No, no, like no, that. no. This is, this is not an out there thing. This happens again and again. Does it? And again. Yes, absolutely it does. Mm. And I suspect she probably... Now, well, how old is she now? 12? Uh, 14. 14. Does she remember any of this? She does. She does? Wow. Oh, yeah. My daughter, yeah, she does. Oh, yeah, no, she says to me, she says to <laughs> yeah. You know, I say to sometimes when we've lost our way a bit, I say to you, you know, you did come here for a reason, we're just not sure what the reason is now, but you are supposed to be here because you made a hell of a fuss <laughs> outgoing. You know, you did tell me quite categorically I needed to have you. And then the woman that's moved into our old house has got three boys. So I've got a boy by someone and then two boys and my daughter by another person. Um, and the woman that's moved in our house has got one boy by an ex, same age gap, and then two boys, exactly the same age gap as my younger two boys. And I said to her, you're going to have um, another baby. And she said, no, I don't want any more babies. I said, if you move into this house, <laughs> I can guarantee you you'll be pregnant with a girl within like the next eight weeks. And she said, I don't want another baby. She texted me yesterday. I'm pregnant. <laughs> I said, of course you won't. It'll be a girl. It'll be a girl because you moved into that house and that's what happens when you live there. That is extraordinary. Yeah. And she, look, I said to her, you okay about that? And she said... I'm actually really fine about it. I didn't want another baby. I really, I have no idea how I've got pregnant, but I am actually pregnant. And we've only been in your house for four weeks. <laughs> I did say to her, you'll be pregnant within eight. And now it's four. So there you go. And I asked the tarot anyway. The tarot said that she would have a baby girl. So that's what she'll have. <laughs> Whether she wants it or not, <laughs> that's what's happened. That's amazing. So it, from everything you're saying... Like you're intuitive as well, then. I'm. I'm really. Yeah, I quite often, but I haven't really tapped into it enough. I quite often have very. Um, I think you have to be quite careful because I had a client who was telling me about her dad, and I said, "Oh, you know, he wore bow ties and wore glasses. He's not. You know, he's dead now, isn't he? He's not. He's dead." And she said, how the hell did you know that? And she was, and I'd seen him literally right in front of me. 
with glasses and his bow ties and a tweed jacket and a white shirt and slightly whiskery. I could draw. I can't draw, but I could mm. see him very clearly. But she was really freaked out. She said, I haven't told you any of that. How do you know? And I said, oh, I don't really know. I just, I don't know. I just just saw of, him. Just, well, you can't say that. No, of course not. And, and, I've, and she was really freaked out, actually. I think I would have been. Well, it was quite benevolent, but I then thought I've got to stop blurting things out without thinking about the effect it has on other people. And so I've really dimmed that down a bit, actually. So in many ways, this house is like ideal for you, really. Yeah. And in fact, today, Jerry did his uh, theory test. And this morning I asked the tarot whether he'd pass. It said he wouldn't. He'd nearly pass, but he wouldn't pass. Needs to do a bit more work. I didn't tell him that in the car. Because I thought that put him off. He went to the test. I thought he won't get it. He won't pass because the tower's told me he won't pass and he didn't pass. <laughs> he did a bit of work. He came to the car and he was like, I'm really sorry, I didn't pass. I was like, no, it's fine, you weren't going to pass because the tower said you weren't going to pass. He was like, because they all laugh at me. Mm-hmm. They all laugh at me about this. And I said, next time, bit more work, bit more work. You know, that's all you've got to do, then you'll, you'll get it next time. Amazing. And the sex of babies. Yeah. Things like that. But I would like to explore that more. Um, but I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to explore that more. And I'm not sure to what purpose. I want to help people with it. But I don't know how to do that. So I'm, I feel I'm in this transition period. And I think this house has got something to do with it. You know, I wasn't supposed to end up in a massive great big house I lost a lot of money and I was supposed to move to a small little house but no house came up but this house came up and now I'm here and that seems counterintuitive because I wasn't supposed to be in a house like this but I am so there's a there's a a path of fate that is dealing to you well, no other place wanted us. No one, I, I, I went to get other places and I was rejected from all of them. And this is the only place that said yes. Everyone else said no. Um, and I went, walked into this house and I met the house and I think the house was like, yeah, okay, you know, you'll do, you're right. And I felt good vibes. And I sometimes I think you've got to go for something like that. I think if that's meant to be, that's where we're here, where we are. Well, it certainly does feel like it's your house, even though you've been here such a short amount of time. Thanks for like letting me in and uh, telling <laughs> me those stories. They're insane. They're insane. Come back on the show again and let's talk about the house after you've been here. And had a little bit more experience bit more of experience. it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And see what, where that little, that little boy girl is... Uh, Yes, yes. Is around. Maybe he or she might feel a little bit safer. You know, I think I think some spirit like that has to feel safe, that you're not going to be angry or upset or, or pained or fearful. I think it has to know it's safe to be to coexist with you. And maybe when it realises I'm fine, we're all fine with it, it will come and coexist with us. Before you know it, you'll be setting another place at the table. yeah we will i'll be like move over (laughs) wrong place lucy thank you thank you i have to say ben amazing 
interview, I um, I, I, what, what I thought was quite amazing was um, you. While I was listening, it's the, obviously it's the first time we've kind of done something or an interview or something like that separately. Um, so it was really interesting when I was listening back to it because I was almost. I've got this vision of what her house is like, and it—it's like something out of a movie set. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Oh, it really is like something out of a movie set. Yeah, it's—it's it's um, astonishing. Uh, maybe we'll come back to that. Uh, yeah, it was an interesting exercise for me because listening back to it, it's like wow. I just—I was almost there's so many questions that I've got and thoughts, but I almost divided that interview up into three sections. There's the bit. Uh, where Lucy's talking about her childhood experience of the nun and the well. There's obviously stuff that's happening in her new house now. And I think even on the morning or in the early hours on the morning before you turned up. Um, yes. And then, there's, and then there seems to be a theme of some, I was going to say psychic abilities or at least psychic awareness that she and her children are tuned into so um so if if maybe we talk about those three areas maybe we start with the incident that she talks about when she was 10 years old Mm. and the nun and the well Mm. Uh, and the first thing that really struck me about that story is you you start to listen to it and you go you're almost the cynic in you bit comes out doesn't it you go two 10-year-old children, you know, who'd been watching too much Scooby-Doo, had this kind of crazy wheeze of going to find the spooky nun, got themselves all worked up and, you know, either mistook something or let their imagination run wild. But I think the other thing that really interests me is the the bit of the story where she talks about her brother, Who'd almost, who's, who was older, who'd come to make, you know, see what they were doing and just make, you know, whatever his motivations were to make sure they were all right or see what they were doing or just keep an eye on them. And it was almost a bit in the story where she said, and my brother kind of jumped out. And I thought she was going to say, oh, yeah, it was her brother who was kind of, who was dressed up in a, in a, in a woolly hat and making himself look like a nun. But it was like he was freaked out because he'd seen it as well. And that really mm, struck mm. with me and added credibility, I think, to the story. Not that I would assume she wasn't telling the truth, but that, you know, it wasn't just... I guess it's a thing we've talked about on other stories um, that involve children and UFOs and Sam the Sandown Clown and those kind of stories that is it a, an overdoing of imagination and the environment that's creating this. Um, but it, it, this story leans to me more than they saw something genuinely paranormal in the traditional sense or that theory that we've talked about that actually something to do with where they were and what they wanted to see and their enthusiasm, let's put it that way, they actually manifested something themselves. Not imagined, but manifested. Yeah, no, that so that would uh, that would be a good theory had it not been for the person that she meets in the hairdresser who has seen the same thing. Yeah, that I forgot. Yes, of course. Yes, yes, yes. Because uh, we talked about that theory on 30 East Drive, didn't we? 
that people tend to experience stuff at 30 East Drive, but they're all going there with the intention of seeing something. But that example of the, the woman she met in the hairdressers, from what I gathered from the story, it wasn't like the woman knew about any of that history. So, yeah, that theory, yeah, you're right, that theory... Oh, my God, she saw a nun that had somebody down the well that was a ghost. It seems pretty clear to me now. Well, it's not just... It's not the nun as, <laughs> as that is as scary, I don't think, as the noise that's coming out of the well. It's... Um, yeah. If this keeps repeating, and obviously Lucy and I had that conversation, whether it's like stone tape or whether it is a conscious entity that is trying to tell somebody something... And I thought it was interesting that Lucy didn't know whether the nun knew that they were there or not. And I think it would have been much more terrifying if it had in some way tried to interact. Although she did say it got closer to them and seemed to be, you know, coming towards them, which in itself would be terrifying. Which reminded me, that bit reminded me a bit of when we interviewed Monet and Misha Paris and Monet saw the floating head. I think you asked a similar question to Monet and Monet said, oh God, no, the the head was looking at me. It was, <laughs> in her mind, was interacting with her. So I think it's a really interesting point which, you know, could separate what people would say as a full kind of ghostly apparition from stone tape theory phenomena, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, no. And I mean, it's... If if it is stone tape, then it would, it. I don't know. The problem with that is, of course, that there has to have been to make a recording. There has to be something to record. That means there has to have been an event where there was something moaning down the well, and a nun running around, which in itself is disturbing and worrying. If it isn't stone tape then in a way it's even more heartbreaking because it means that there is some sort of entity that is trying, however it knows how to, to tell people there's something really wrong. and Or, try, or trying to resolve something that's yeah. unresolvable for them, yeah. Yeah. And can we go back to stone tape just quickly? Because mm. the, there's bits of stone tape which, which kind of slightly confuse my, my brain, my bare of little brain, that... How does it work? You know what I mean? Does it, is it on a, is it like, does it work on time? It's on a schedule. I know you referred to it in the interview. Some, somebody could almost set their clock by a paranormal phenomena that happens in their house. It's like, well, that would suggest it's on some kind of timetable, you know, or does it appear when people are there? So was it the fact that Lucy and her friend were there that it appeared or is it a, a bit like if a tree falls in the forest does you know what I mean does it happen every day whether you're there or not or or what are the conditions that make it happen it, it, that those are slightly the things around stone tape theory that I struggle to comprehend yeah I don't know um because some people have that theory that you set off the playback somehow by having a particular set of circumstances. But right. it seems, I suppose it can be a variable amount of circumstances and maybe sometimes it's very specific and maybe sometimes less so. But yeah. if um, if Lucy had heard about it, you know, being 
uh, time dependent, then maybe the loose thing is that it is just it just gets played back at a particular time, and it doesn't necessarily require any input from an external person it doesn't require anybody to press the play button i guess is what i'm saying yeah, yeah. um which might be why this phenomena in this particular location is so ubiquitous but there's a huge part of me because i know it's on private land and we've we've alluded to where it is but we haven't been specific because i think that's unfair on the current owners but yeah. Oh my goodness! I'd so love to knock on their gate and say, "Could we please stay here for the night?" I want to see a luminous nun. Of course, I do. <laughs> Get off my land! <laughs> <laughs> what did you? I'm with you. Did you see anything? None. <laughs> what? None, nothing. Yeah. No, none. <laughs> No, I agree with you. It's like I, 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 and often I'm the one who's a bit of a, a bit of a coward on these things and kind of go, "Well, no, I wouldn't." But you know, <laughs> I was wondering maybe it's more just the idea of sitting out in the cold for days, for nights on end, waiting for something to happen. Maybe that's why I'm obsessed with stone tape theory. What do I need to do to get best place so I can go home so I'm not freezing cold? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but yeah, I kind of, I, but I do have a mixture of. What an inc- and from Lucy's perspective, what an incredible thing to see, and what an incredibly terrifying thing to see, especially as you know, a 10 year old child. Mm, absolutely, although I'm still jealous, but yes. <laughs> um, and I was also amazed with, with how the interview started of, of, of this kind of child's voice that was mm. calling out to her uh, uh, at two or three in the morning was just mm. incredible as well i mean i know it's a separate story a separate location a separate place but um and maybe we'll come on to those themes in a minute of being tied into this stuff and being able to read it and and experience it and being open-minded about it in a minute but um and, and just so to clarify from my point of view there is no chance that that could have been one of her children or, or little chance that that could have been one of her children or anybody else that was in the house. Cause I know it's a big house. No, they're, they're all nearly adults or adults. There's, there's no small children in that house. No. Wow. And, um, having had a look around it, there are definitely bits which are, uh spookier than others and it's the perfect setting for a ghost story but but from what lucy was saying she is open to these things but it was a real auditory thing that she heard and it makes again it makes you feel sorry for the entity if there is something there and it's interesting because she's new into the house whether there is you, you know, a child spirit in there that is looking for solace. And I thought it was really, uh, it, it felt like the right thing to do when Lucy said, she just said, you know, I'm here for you. I'll help you. Yeah. Yeah. I was really impressed with that. And um, it calmed it down. And again, what, what was really interesting to me on, on that part of the interview and that story was if you take it from a skeptic's point of view, your first, position's going to be it's the middle of the night you were either having a dream or some kind of you know even sleep paralysis where it felt realer than it was but 
it was the fact she got up, <laughs> as she said, almost like the, the the trope in a kind of horror film to go and find the serial killer, as it were, but um, to get up to try and find out what this thing was or what was calling out to her. You know, you're awake, you're walking about, you've got the, you, you know what I mean? You're not in a dream state anymore. I thought that was really interesting too. Yeah. Yes, I I think so. Um and I had a question about the house because she talked about yeah. a a section of the house which was uh, I can't remember exact words, but it was almost like ghost a land. bit of the house Ghostland, that's it. <laughs> yeah. Part of the house which was was uh, you know, felt cold or 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 she just had a general vibe about that part of the house. Yeah, yeah. Did, did you go to that part I, of the I, house? I did. did you have did. that feeling? Um no, but I understand why she calls it that because it is just imagine it's such a large house to heat and the the family tried to live in uh you know the rooms you know a number of rooms that you can keep really warm which means that other bits of it are by necessity a little bit colder than the rest of the house and right. I understand that this this bit it does have a def- a different feeling I didn't get a spooky vibe from it but I definitely got a Oh, this feels a little bit different to the rest of the house, and and I think she calls it Ghostland in a sort of a tongue-in-cheek way, but in a way like you wouldn't be surprised if you were walking down that bit and uh, and and bumped into something that wasn't quite of this world. Um, yeah. But it, it 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 doesn't reflect. I don't think that there's a uh, a number of spectres in that place, but it it sets into motion like that. The thing about that house is that it has because it's so old you can feel the history as you walk around it and you can imagine how many other people were you know lived there um lived their lives there had parties had celebrations had problems all of that sort of stuff and you feel that pervades in the walls now that is obviously a human emotion that isn't something that I'm not, I'm not saying you kind of fit, hear voices and stuff, but I'm not very surprised that if you are somebody who's open to having those thoughts, then you do start to hear these things. And if you know, like, I I, I need to um, I need to follow up with Lucy because I haven't seen her before Christmas since before Christmas. I'm going to go and ask her again whether she's any of these entities. Well, the entity that she's heard, whether that has progressed any or whether they've had any, yeah. any peculiar activity. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that'd be fascinating. Um and yeah, I guess the I guess the, the, the other part of the interview which was fascinating was her general level or attunement to psychic phenomena to to for want of a better word of you know all the stories about her uh with her children and that they've got some level of it as well um and and the the woman who'd moved into the house and saying you're going to get pregnant and she did get pregnant i think what's interesting as far as i know lucy isn't like a practicing psychic or anything like that it's not her profession she's not involved in that profession would that be correct yeah, oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. No, no. No, no. She's so, um she's she's a, a a mainstream uh writer and um therapist, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I find that interesting because we often say, well what what would be the purpose? Again, a skeptic might say, well if somebody is 
a psychic they might want to kind of ham up or ingratiate ingratiate is that the right word they might want to exaggerate those stories because you know that's their profession it's in it's in their interest but uh, not the case for her in some in some ways you could say it would be the opposite to kind of talk about those things right yes absolutely yeah and i i think it's sort of it's almost like um because i've got i've got members of my family who are a little bit like lucy in this way um who feel and hear things that other people can't um or or even have I, i wouldn't go so far as psychic abilities but seem to have an uncanny ability for predicting things or knowing things before other people do and i think that that is often something that is or perhaps always something that you're born with and you can't control it and it's what happens then is the type of um circles that you mix in in the family uh the family attitude that is that you have to that when you're younger i think that affects the way you talk about it later like my my mother will she doesn't even see it as a anything unusual you know for her the idea that um she can talk to she can walk through a churchyard and occasionally have a conversation with somebody who has passed she sees that as normal as um cutting your toenails and um that it doesn't it's not something to be shouted about or anything it's just it's just is it's just a thing it's literally is part of life and i think um obviously i haven't asked lucy that and i'm not putting words in her mouth but i suspect that's how she would probably convey it yeah and it it makes me think of theories and thoughts of uh, do you know i know we've talked about ants looking at the moon and various things in the past but it does make me wonder whether certain people are able to almost look outside the frame of of what most people see or experience and understand that they're almost picking up on something that's outside the frame of either that we're not able or not wanting to look at outside of does that it does that make sense yeah yeah it does yeah yeah and I, so i often wonder that about and i'm not and that's not me making any I haven't got a view of whether that's ghosts or, you know, seeing the edges of a simulated universe or um, or, or a, a parallel universe or whatever it is. It's something that we can't understand, but some people maybe get to see glimpses of what's outside of what most people see within their frame of reference of their life, basically. Mm. Yeah, agreed, agreed. And... I think it's. Um, I don't know. I think it's. I think it's fascinating when these people have these experiences that I wish, you know, in a way I wish I could have. I'd probably be more scared by, to be honest, woken up by a child's voice, than by going exploring for a ghost nun. But it's. It, it does. I am slightly jealous because I have, as you know, I have been to numerous supposedly haunted houses the biggest haunted houses in the uk to be honest in terms of like their fame and whatever's supposed to happen and really nothing has happened i mean there's been a couple of things which are unexplainable 
and there's been a Ouija board incident, but like laying that to one side, I haven't I haven't seen an entity. I haven't heard an entity apart from a blowing in my ear. But again, I'm willing to accept that that could have been an auditory hallucination because it only happened the once. I, I have apologised for that. <laughs> <laughs> But just let it go, Ben. Let it go. <laughs> <laughs> if you wouldn't mind just dressing up as a luminous nun and dancing outside my front door tonight, I'd be so not, grateful. Not after last time when I fell down that well. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, well. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was fascinating. And, and thank you so much, Lucy, for for doing that and sharing that. It's, I love it when people share their stories with us, but... You know, I particularly love it where it's people who, I don't, I don't know why, but I, I particularly love it with people who are not particularly, uh, I was going to say professional, but it's a weird word, professionals in the paranormal yeah, yeah, yeah. community. If that, I know it's a weird description, but I just, I just find it fascinating. I, maybe it's because, you know, all, all those kind of slightly sceptical thoughts of, oh, well, they're doing it to further their book or doing it to do that. Not that I believe that anybody we've we've talked to on the podcast has done that, but it, it's obviously something that plays on your mind. But as I said, there's no reason for her to talk to you, Ben, apart from she knows you and trusts you. So, mm, mm. Um, no, absolutely. yeah, really, really impressive. Thank you, Lucy, for that. Yeah, no, um, and uh, what a great storyteller. I'm, I'm hoping that we'll catch up with her later this year and hear, hear more of her uh, uh, yeah, goings on. And, and if, she hasn't, um, if she hasn't got any, uh, we can use, like I say, we'll use our nun costumes and um, yeah. we'll give her something yeah. to speak about. We'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll just go down there. It'll be fine. Yeah, well, to be honest, I, I'm desperate to go down there because... And, and, and I hope when I go down there, I won't be disappointed because your kind of initial description on the interview and the picture of I've got it in my mind is is like something kind of out of Hammer House of Horror, but some gothic wonderland, which uh, I really hope it is. Maybe well, I shouldn't go, so I just retain that image. But no, yeah, no, it's it's much more out of To the Manor Born or Downton Abbey, that sort of... Right, right. That sort of thing. Something where... Like if you weren't shown around, you could easily get lost in it and wonder where you were. But um, because there is Lucy and her family in there, and it's a really warm environment. You know, when I was there, there was Christmas trees up, and uh, there was food being prepared in the kitchen and stuff. But if you didn't know your way around, and you didn't know anybody who lived in the house, or indeed the house was empty, and it wasn't full of the lovely warm people that are there you'd kind of go, oh, gosh, this is a bit, it's a bit much. But during the daytime, it just looks like something so splendid out of, you know, I could, I'm sure it's been used in TV shows because it is the sort right. of place where, you know, the lady of the the manor would live. I was thinking, um, and this ages me now, but it's the sort of place where Lady Jane would live from Lovejoy. You know, it's that sort of, right. that sort of thing. Brilliant. Okay. Well, um, I hope you, those of you listening, have enjoyed that as much as I did listening to it. And uh, once again, thanks for Lucy for sharing that story. And um, 
We'll be back with more of the same or similar next week on the Quantum Mechanics. <laughs> See you then. Take care. See you then. Bye-bye. the quantum mechanics.